1: Alright, so I decided to do my second episode of the exclusive podcast of Solo Sam. I'm gonna be without my co-partner, Eve Darboos, today because, you know, I just really felt the need to talk about the Knicks and talk about where they're at because as someone who has far more Knicks fans than they do Nets fans, and given that I'm watching every Nets game and a lot of Knicks games as well, I felt the need to comment on something different. And not talk the usual crap about James Harden and Kevin Durant and Nick Claxton and Bruce Brown, who's the new uh, the new apple in everyone's eye. But um, but yeah, so I wanted to talk about the about the Knicks for a couple reasons because I think in classic fashion, I think the way that people have started to talk about the Knicks and where they're at has gotten a little bit out of hand. And look, I I understand it to a certain extent. I mean their incompetence for the last 20 some odd years is unbelievable, especially for a franchise where it has the quote unquote uh, best arena in the world. And it's in the Mecca of, uh, of basketball and it's located in the most popular city in the country, let alone probably the world. And yet they've still been an absolute albatross. And so I understand how desperate Knicks fans are and, Look, I also think that, um, and I've said this before, I think when the Knicks are good, they are the most popular team in, uh, in this city. Way more than the Yankees, more than the Giants, obviously more than the Jets, Mets, Nets, uh, more than the Rangers, whoever it is. Um, and so I understand why Knicks fans get excited, especially given the past incompetence. But I think the way that Knicks fans have talked about um, this season and their future is is a bit misguided, and I'm a little nervous that they're on their way again to for heartbreak because I think a lot of what we're seeing right now is not necessarily something that is sustainable over time, number one, uh, and two, I'm not sure that looking going forward, when you look at their assets, that they're actually in as great of a place as, um, as it's talked about. So, so I wanted to start off off the top by just saying, Look, I've I've been pretty open whenever I talk with friends, or even if I've said this on the front office when I'm with uh, Eve. But I I was never a fan of the of the Leon Rose hiring. I don't think that getting a former agent uh, is the way to go in this day and age. I know that guys like Bob Myers can get it done and acclimate incredibly well, but it's I think that's more of a one off than it is of something incredibly impressive. I think the notion that Rob Polenka is looked at as a um, as a beacon for for agents becoming general managers is laughable considering that he has basically done a pretty poor job minus being able to get LeBron, which then got Anthony Davis and whatnot and he, it had much to do with the Lakers and almost nothing to do with him and what he was able to accomplish. Um, and so and so I'm, I've been very open about that. I, I, I think that you have to have a more analytics, Driven-minded guy, kind of like what you've seen with with Daryl and uh, Daryl Morey with uh, the Rockets, and now the Sixers, and with a lot of the other different guys that uh, that we've seen throughout the uh, throughout the league. Whether that's uh, uh, Rosas or um, (coughs) sorry, or Masai in Toronto, whoever it is, um, that's just basically where I think the league is going, and. And, and because of that, I'm also not surprised that he then chose a coach in Tibbs who I've always really liked and I've always really respected, but I thought was the wrong coach for where they are. I think Tibbs is someone who is good um, with a, a ready-made team. And I think while he is squeezing out all the juice out of this team, I think he is not as great of a developer as actually people think. I think a lot of – I think the Rose and Butler stuff – uh, has much more to do with with them in particular and I think if you actually look at it he I think he does drive players into the ground um, and I think the fact that that team was looked at as so great and uh, and that he quote unquote developed them I don't really see the the logic is I mean from what I've seen Jimmy is I mean when you when you hear Jimmy for example talk about it he basically talked about how he basically spent one summer completely changing his body and everything like that it didn't seem like he was as much about Tibbs which is why I probably would have gone with uh, someone like Kenny Atkinson who I think is more able to and has shown that he can develop uh younger talent and and so that's I mean so that's what I have to say off the top is that I'm not I'm not a big fan of um of of Rose and and, uh, and Tibbs and I think it's great that they have the record they have and that they're and that they're playing well i mean there's been statistical analysis that has been done that's basically they've been one of the luckiest teams against the three and the teams don't shoot well against them and it's not because their defense is actually so great against the three it's just because teams haven't shot that well so i think that'll um regress back to the mean and i think as we've also seen in a lot of recent articles uh they've also played an easier schedule and their upcoming schedule is going to be far more brutal so um I expect, from that perspective, I expect things will change uh, for for the worse for that team. But you know, it's funny. I've heard. I mean, I you know, I was listening to Moose and Maggie earlier today, and I was listening to them talk about uh, if the Knicks should go should go get a, a quote unquote star player or a or an upgrade at some type of of a position like a Victor Oladipo type or getting an Andre Drummond. And I think the idea that they're even remotely thinking about that, and people think that they should go after these people, is absolutely asinine. The team right now, as I've mentioned, like you can look at the talent on the roster and know when a team has played above its head. And this is obviously one of those, one of those teams. This is not as bad as the East has been in the past. Excuse me. I mean, this is not a team that is actually a fifth seed um, in the East. There's just, there's no way around it. They haven't had minus recently the Mitchell Robinson injury. They haven't had anything really like crazy happen to them where you think that Uh, once they get X person back, they're going to be way better. That's, you know what I mean? They're not even like the Timberwolves, for example, who've had people going in and out of the lineup or what we saw with the Wizards, where they were going through all different uh, COVID uh, incidents, instances, or even the heat, where they obviously had a ton of different people out. And so because of that, I, I, I don't really, I think this notion that they're, that they're on this precipice of contending and may trade young assets is is pretty laughable, and on top of the fact, I don't really understand the reasoning of any of the people that they're going to get. So you're going to get Victor Oladipo, who's a free agent after this year, who has had who had stretches last year where he looked okay post injury, but this year has not been good. And to my Nets fans listening, I think you saw in that in that Houston game, he just doesn't have the same burst. And look, like a lot of these injuries take time, and I know what he had—the patellar tendon one—is like one of the worst ones that you can have. Um, I know that was the injury that ended. Um, Victor Cruz's career, and also obviously, really derailed Jeremy Lin's career. So it's definitely nothing to. Um, it's a, It's definitely incredibly severe. But I just I don't really understand the reasoning for why they would even decide to 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 go after them. I mean, it's not like you if you get a Victor Oladipo and you trade one of your younger assets, you're you've just moved into some different periphery. They're still going to be worse than all the teams that they're behind right now anyway. And they're probably still going to be worse than even the teams that started out slow and aren't, pl- and aren't playing that well. They're not better than the Celtics if they get all the depot and they're not better. um, they're, And they're not better than the Bucks, Nets, Sixers. Um, He, and honestly, I don't even, I mean, look, like, we'll see what happens when Levert comes back with the Pacers because that team has a ton of talent. So, I um I don't really understand the reasoning um I don't really understand the reasoning behind that uh, in, in terms of getting one of those one of those stars and and look I mean like the Beal and the and Levine stuff a is not going to happen both of those teams are going to hang on to them at least for now it seems like there's been literally like no rumors about that uh, whatsoever but so so the next topic that I want to talk about because I do want to make this a pretty short. Um, podcast, uh, and it's also my my first one doing this totally solo. So I'm trying to emulate the Great Eve and how I and how I do this on my own. Um but I'm also I'm also a little confused as to what the Knicks have and what people think long term are actually going to be pieces on this on this team and what do they think they have. Like I mean let well, so let's start from the top. So Julius Randle's having an unbelievable season. He was I probably wouldn't have selected him for the All Star game because I would have put a couple of the Heat guys on there ahead of him. But he is statistically totally deserving of it, and I understand how and why he made it. Um, but so, so Randall's having a great year. But he's a, he, but he, so he's playing really well. But sorry, do you want to pay him? Is he someone you want to make max money? Is he someone who you're confident can be the second best player on a championship team? I say absolutely not. Is he someone that can be the third best player on a championship team? I'm not totally sure because I think with his skill set, he basically needs to have the ball in his hand. And he's going to be, if he's the third option, I'm not exactly sure what option he's really, uh, what he's really adding to the team right now. He's great because he's in the most ideal situation. He's in like a point forward position, similar to in a way to what Giannis is able to do, or what we've kind of wanted to see Ben Simmons be able to do, which is basically run the entire offense. And he also happens to be shooting the best he ever has. If I personally don't see him shooting 41%, for the rest of the season, nor do I think he'll ever really shoot 41% from three, because I don't think that's what he truly is, but I'm happy to be wrong if that's the case. So the Randall thing, I don't totally understand because he seems like the classic, you should sell high on him, but Knicks fans don't want to because they finally have an all-star. Um, and I don't really, and and he's not a guy, um, even though I know he's 26, where I don't really want to give him a five-year max where he's, well, he'll be 27 to 31 or 32. He just doesn't have play the type of style that I would, that I would want to see. He's obviously already had some lower leg injuries. Um, So I I just don't really, I don't really buy it. Um, So then let's go to, so then let's go to Barrett. So Barrett is someone who I will admit, I, um, I actually, he was, he was number three on my draft board after Zion and jaw, when he got picked, I I thought he was going to be like a pretty solid, interesting, uh, interesting player. I think he's been underwhelming more so so far um, in his career, although as of late, he's obviously been playing way better. I think I guess my thing with Barrett is so you look at him and he's the he's uh, he's the number three pick in the draft. He's averaging sixteen and a half points, uh, six rebounds, three assists. He's his shooting is starting to go uh, go up. I know he's shooting thirty five percent from three, but he's been all been uh, on the way up uh, of late. And he's also been um, from shooting from the field. He's also been shooting way better. And so far this year, he's at a little over forty four percent. And with Barrett, I also don't really understand exactly what you have in him because, like, let's say, I I like to think of things, and it's not that much fun, but it's how the NBA works. I like to think of things from a couple years from now and what they are on a contending team. Barrett's also somebody that needs the ball in his hands. He's not an elite athlete. He's not yet an elite shooter. We'll see if he can get somewhere close. He doesn't have explosiveness. So if he's up for a qualifying offer in, in two years, I don't really know if he's someone I want to give any type of Max too. So I'm not, so I'm not totally sure what you have there. And then, which goes to number three, which is, um, which is Mitchell Robinson, who, who also is someone who was super intriguing um, in college. Um, obviously had a, obviously had like an up and down college experience, but it's been a really interesting uh, player and his, and actually his was a, uh, was a really smart and nice pick by the Knicks. But again, you're talking about someone who, is a, is a rim running center, which is something that as we've seen in the NBA is something that players are able that, that teams are able to find year in and year out. It is a commodity that people can find. It is part of the reason why I always kind of thought that Jared Allen was going to be dealt in some way or another, because I think the smartest GMs don't invest in uh, don't invest big money in centers unless they're an Embiid or a Jokic. I just don't think it's something P teams are going to do anymore. I think teams are just going to invest in wings and uh and and guards and honestly even bigger guards i think the smaller ones are are as we've seen uh, as we've seen with some of the smaller guards and how their bodies break down i think we're going to see less and less of long-term deals for those types of guards anyway but um but but so with robinson i don't i'm not i'm not totally sure what you have and then you have a litany of other guys like that, I mean, obviously obviously don't really have much role on the team, and I don't think their trade value is even that big in the, like, Alfred Paytons and the Reggie Bullocks, who maybe a contender would want, Alec Burks, who I always loved in college at Colorado, and I think if he didn't have a couple of his injuries, he actually could have been a really great player. I honestly loved him. Um, you obviously have Noel, who's been on every team at this point, and Noel has kind of proven my exact point with Mitchell Robinson, which is that you have a lot of different guys that can kind of do exactly what he does just as effectively. Um, and and so I think that kind of shows what Robinson's true value is. Um, and then, so, so that brings me then to, to Quickly, who obviously has been awesome. He was someone who I totally overlooked in the draft process, have no issue admitting that. I think most people did. And, you know, Quickly's interesting, right, because he's, he's shooting almost as well from three as he is from the field and he really could be a um a nice player and i think that's like kind of all that really needs to be said do you think do i think you have a budding star in him no but like he seems like he's a nice player i don't really think there's much to comment on him because of that and he's also in kind of a win-win situation because he didn't have high expectations and he's been playing really well and getting get and getting the chance to to do really well um and the other thing that needs to be said about this entire Knicks season which i think Goes under the radar, and we saw this with the with the Nets even a couple years ago. These guys are a lot of these guys are playing with house money to a certain extent, and that the Knicks had absolutely no expectations, and they're playing really really hard for a coach who's known to squeeze the absolute most out of his team. So it's so to me, it's not surprising that the Knicks have uh, when when you actually put the psychology of it, it's not surprising that the Knicks are playing. as well as they are, especially with some of the young guys, because they're getting time and it's not this time pressured situation. If the Knicks end up missing the playoffs from, or or in the bubble game or whatever you want to call it, like no one's really going to be that upset because people thought that they were going to be a lottery team competing for uh, Cade Cunningham this year as the number one pick. So I'm not totally sure what. Um, so so from that perspective, I think the Knicks are just in a very nice situation. Uh, Nice spot. I mean, and then and then you keep on going down the the down the list of guys on this team. Obviously, Knox. It seems like he's, um, like basically out of the rotation and doesn't really. Um, and obviously, I mean, he plays about 15 minutes per game, whatever it is. But I mean, he's. Yeah, I mean, I would be if I were the Knicks, and you can get some type of decent second round pick for him. I think you have to be overjoyed. Um, uh, Nilakina, I think he's someone I always liked him and think he's someone that like a contender can make into a really useful player. He's honestly someone I would love for the Nets to get their hands on because of how good he is on defense. Um, but, but obviously again, I don't really know what his value is. I don't really think anybody knows what his value is because even though he's been playing more and been shooting more effectively, I think he's someone who's the shot either is never going to be a thing or maybe it just needs a tremendous amount of work and needs to almost be restarted. but, um, but so I think it's kind of hard to, to gauge and obviously then you have obi who i was more high on than a lot of my friends who i do my draft board with um i think obi can definitely be a really offensively gifted player i know um people like nate duncan talked about the fact that his lower body was something that's going to hurt him and i think it looks like he's been pretty right about that so far because um it, it, it looks like it looks like it is really hard for him to maintain his own on defense and against stronger players um on top of the fact that he's obviously not been shooting super well but you know, I think I, I think with a big guy like that, who's obviously been playing behind a Randall and a and a Robinson and a Noel, whoever it is, I think it's obviously going to be harder for him to get minutes and for them to trust him, especially because his defense is to be desired. And you're talking about a Tibbs team, so obviously it's going to take time. So all in all, I think my my point in this whole spiel is I completely understand why Knicks fans are really happy and excited, and I. And know what? Like, I think it is as as much as I dislike the Knicks, I think it's way better for the sport and for the league when the Knicks are playing well. Like, it it adds extra excitement, and I know it brings a lot of joy and happiness to friends and family of mine. So, as much as I hate the Knicks, I you know you have to be you have to try to not have too much Enfroy. But you know, I um, but I but I think I generally don't kind of understand the long term outlook on this team, and if the outlook is well, they're going to become semi-competent because then once someone becomes a free agent, they'll be able to attract them. You know, like that to me is the most realistic scenario of them to to get back into contention because obviously with the way they're playing now, they're not going to be, it doesn't look like they're going to be a lottery team. And even if they are, they're going to be towards the end of it. So you have this unbelievable draft that most people are in complete alignment on as one of the best drafts in years Um, and has like game-changing like superstar talent level players at the top of it. And it looks like because the Knicks have played so well, they've honestly driven themselves out of it, which I guess is a little bit of a downside of having a tibs type, or even I should say, I and mean, I mentioned Kenny Atkinson earlier, I think with an Atkinson team, you, you usually overperform as the Nets uh, usually did. And so I guess my thing is, is that if you think that the, all the Knicks needed to do was show that they can be competent, A, we haven't heard from James Dolan in a while, so I'm kind of curious where he is in all of this. Um, and B, my other point is, I'm not exactly sure what they're what the Knicks are going to be looking for in terms of free agency because I think that people have a there still is a very short fuse here, and given that the Knicks have some young talent, but it's not like the Thunder in the 2010s. It's not something crazy. I'm not exactly sure what um, what what the talent is that's going to be so alluring to. Uh, a superstar player to, to, to come to New York. Like you're not talking, this isn't, I mean, let's like be realistic. I'm trying not to be a homer at all. I don't think I am. There's a very big difference between going to a team that has max cap space to play with, um, Joe Harris and Karis Lever and every single draft pick, uh, and, and Jared and Jared Allen. And obviously the, all, all, all the other pieces that have been dealt, uh, Dinwiddie and playing with, uh, RJ Barrett, and if I mean if Julius Reynold gets a max, obviously then you're going to have way less money being available there. But RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and Nerland Snowall these aren't like win now guys. I mean, like we'll I mean we'll see, but they don't look like they're they're not pieces that a star necessarily is going to want to be surrounded by. So my question from that point is like, so who are you going after when you look um, when you go down the list? It's like okay, so like Trey Young's a restricted free agent in 2022. It's almost it's almost unheard of for a player to not. Um, End up signing a max through that, um, through being a restricted free agent. I mean, you obviously have all the Nets guys are free agents in 2022. That would obviously be the end of me if any of them left for the, uh, for the for the Knicks. Um, uh, No one really on the, no one of, no one really of uh, importance on the Bulls or the Cavs is a free is a free agent anytime soon. Doncic is restricted in 2022, so you have to think he's going to be a Maverick for the next four to five years, minus him demanding a trade. No one on the Nuggets, no one on the Pistons. The Warriors, you obviously have the the Curry thing, but it seems like if Curry is going to leave anywhere, it would be for Charlotte to go home. But he has such a base in San Francisco from everything I've read that I think it would be shocking for him to leave. Um, And a lot of my point in me going through all these teams is basically more so just to say that a lot of these players have signed long-term deals. There aren't as many... We're not having as many Summer of X, Summer of 2016, Summer of 2010, Summer of whatever it is. It's just not happening, much because players are taking the are starting to take more of the money, as we saw with um, what Anthony Davis did, or even what LeBron did more recently. So obviously, you have Oladipo as a free agent this year. I think giving him a long term deal would scare the hell out of me. I don't. I'm not sure exactly what kind of player he is. Do I think that Kawhi is going to leave this summer? No, he's already on a team that's basically ready to win a title right now, and he's playing at home. Um, do, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a free agent in 2022. I mean, at that point, he's going to be two years older than he is right now. Is that even someone that you want as a focal point of your championship team? I'm not totally sure. Obviously, Giannis had signed a big deal. Towns recently signed a big deal. Booker recently signed a big deal. Obviously, all these guys can demand trades. But also, when you demand a trade, you have to give up assets. And I'm not sure exactly what the assets are that the Knicks have that are going to be unbelievably valuable, especially if the team is competing at a decent level, kind of like what they're doing now where the picks that they're going to be getting are not going to be great on top of the fact that if you're getting a superstar in return the picks coming back are even worse you have to give out picks even further in the future um and so because that i'm not i'm just not totally sure that they're on as great of a projection as it as it seems to be you know Shea gilgers alexander just to name off a few is a restricted free agent in 2022 none of the sixers guys are free agents in the next couple of years um aiden's a restricted free agent in 2022 none of the Blazer guys are free agents in the in the next couple of years. And and so, you know, like all all of this is to say, and then obviously you have Beal who's a free agent, um, an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty two, he's a player option and like maybe that's someone that they target, although I don't think he could be the best player on a championship team, um, obviously. So all this is to say is that I'm just—I'm not totally sure I understand the long-term layout of of in future of this team. I don't think that they really have any player you can be super happy about. I get that they're playing really well. I think the quickly thing is interesting. I think people are kidding themselves if they think he's anything more than like interesting. That he's a guard that's getting a lot of time and and is in his high usage when he plays. Um, but I think all in all, and I'm gonna close out very soon. Um, I just am not totally sure exactly what the direction is of the team, and if you were to tell me that I think they were that they were probably better off just bottoming out and getting high level talent, I probably would have been more in line with that. And this is why for the last couple of years I've been far more in the camp of I don't think the Knicks should be signing these mid level guys, even like a even like a Randall or like a Taj Gibson, which they did a couple of years back, um, or a Bobby Portis. And I felt that they should have asked the Wizards for John Wall and four picks. And I think they should have done what, what Marks did. You know, a lot of people talk about how, and I know that, look, Marks was coming from a different perspective because he didn't have any picks to deal with, so he had to do some of these moves. But, you know, like, people are talking about the, how the Knicks have all these assets. They have their own pick, and then they have a couple of the, the, the Mavs picks, and the Mavs are a competent team. Even, I mean, the Mavs are a play, are basically a playoff team even though Porzingis hasn't been out and they had a gazillion COVID issues, even playing in the West. Like they're a really good basketball team and those picks are not going to be unbelievable, which is why, I mean, look, it's fun to be competitive right now. And for the Knicks going back to the playoffs could be helpful in recruiting some free agent or some star to demand a trade. um, Even though I mentioned the issues with trying to get a a, a trade to get done if you don't have fantastic assets. Um, But with all that said, I just am not totally under. under I'm not sure I totally understand the long term moves for this team, and which is why which is why I am far more negative on Leon Rose generally because I don't really think that he has a uh, an outlook that makes that much sense to me. And I think even if you look at the a lot of the guys who are, who could demand a trade, a Towns, a Booker, um, a a Beal. I'm not sure that any of those that that any of those guys are actually a franchise-changing player. Anyway, has Town shown that he can win on his own? Has Booker shown that he can win on his own? Has Beal shown that he can win on his own? So my point is, I, I just don't really. I'm not sure. I totally understand what the long-term view is, which is why I, if, if I were them, I would have gone the draft way and and would have acquired a lot of really a, a lot of really ugly contracts with picks, because I think that is overall usually the best way to get. Better, I think. Than I think. I think what the Nets did was, in a, in part, the only thing they actually could do because they didn't have any picks at the time. So they had to acquire some type of picks to get things started. And then, and and the Nets also did something unbelievable, which is that they hit on a bunch of G League guys and they hit on late lottery picks, which doesn't really happen that often. Um, so all that is to say, I'm just I'm very still. Um, bearish on the on the next pro on the next long-term long-term prospects i'm totally i still have not really been that impressed with what leon rose has has done and what his future is um and i think this is and i think with tibbs you know it's it's very classic that he's unbelievably um he's really really uh popular at the beginning and then it slowly 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 drifts out so i think we'll see what happens once he starts um Working his players harder and, and all and all that. But uh, look, this was my second solo pod. I just did a 25 minute uh, soliloquy on the Knicks and my my negative feelings towards them. Um, look, if, if 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 they were in a different spot and were choosing choosing a route that I was talking about, which is they're still losing, but at least I think they're starting to really get some uh, some assets and some talent that I that I'm more impressed with. I would be more bullish on them, but because of where they are and given the stats that I've given about RJ and where I think he is as a player. And if he's someone I would even want to pay long-term same with Mitchell Robinson. I mean, we'll see what happens with OB and also (laughs) giving like a five-year max to Julius Randle is something that would scare the crap out of me as well. But uh, that's what I think. Look, uh, check out more episodes of the front office. Me and Eve will be back to talk nets, which is what the, which is what this podcast is, uh, is meant to do. Um, Peace